Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. My name is Douglas Burdett, and I'm very honored to be guest hosting for John Jantz on this episode. Like you, I'm a listener to the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. I'm also the host of the Marketing Book Podcast, where each week I interview authors of best-selling marketing and sales books. And today, I'm going to be doing that as I interview two co-authors of a book that I have read and absolutely loved. The book is SEO for Growth, The Ultimate Guide for Marketers, Web Designers, and Entrepreneurs. One of the authors is Phil Singleton. Phil is a self-described SEO grunt, obsessed with tweaking websites for search engine optimization and functional performance. He's also co-author of the award-winning Amazon bestseller, The Small Business Owner's Guide to Local Lead Generation, and author of the Amazon bestseller, How to Hire a Web Designer and Not Get Burned by Another Agency. In addition to providing inbound marketing consulting services to companies across the United States, Phil's agency, Kansas City Web Design, also provides custom SEO-friendly websites and online marketing and search engine optimization services, and he's a duct tape marketing certified consultant. The other co-author is a gentleman who is no stranger to this show. His name is John Chance. John is the author of four other books, Duct Tape Marketing, The Commitment Engine, The Referral Engine, and Duct Tape Selling. He is the creator of the Duct Tape Marketing System and Duct Tape Marketing Consulting Network that Phil's a member of. And that uh, organization trains and licenses small business marketing consultants around the world. Phil and John, congratulations for SEO, congratulations on SEO for Growth, and welcome to the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. Well, thanks. I, guess I, f- I feel like I'm, uh, it's like when uh, I graduated from college and the first time I went back to my parents' house and, you know, like now I'm a guest in their house, you know, and, yeah. and I don't live <laughs> there anymore. So uh, that's right. So it's, it's an odd feeling, but uh, I think it's a great idea. I think this idea of guest hosting is something that I've talked about on the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast before. Uh, and I think it's, uh, it's actually, it's, it's kind of like guest blogging, right? Uh, I think this idea of guest hosting is something that podcasters ought to consider. Well, full admission, I learned about it by listening to your podcast. So so welcome, awesome. Phil. Thank you. Thanks for the intro. I'm still blushing. Okay. Well, it's all true. It's all true. <laughs> um, so let me start out and ask John uh, – well, excuse me. Let me start out and just read a quick quote from the book, which I, it, really, it really got me. It was on page 67, and you said, We have heard grown men cry when told that their brand-new website is virtually useless and that it may need a total redesign to achieve their SEO goals. Hearing the same story over and over again motivated us to do something about it. We became determined to write this book, get the word out, and inspire change. So, first question for John: Where is the best place these die? <laughs> where is the best place these days to hide a dead body? Yeah, that's uh, on a page two of Google, uh, of course. But uh, you know, in in reference to that point. Uh, or, or the quote that you read, it is so true. I mean, we, Phil and I both have come across clients who have said, hey, come in and get me some clients and help me you know, get more traffic and help me with my SEO and all the various marketing you know, things. And the first thing we look at uh, is that their home, their house, the, <laughs> the website um, is, is not usable. And, and that doesn't mean it doesn't look pretty. That doesn't mean it doesn't describe their products and services well. Uh, but it's not set up to be integrated with all of the other online channels that we have to think about today. Uh, as we make any decision about a channel, I mean, we have to raise them to the strategic level. We have to start looking at how these things work 
together. Your email has to work with your content. Your content is going to be the only way that you're going to generate any search engine uh, results today. Even your advertising uh, today has to take into consideration uh, your SEO efforts. And so the, the idea that people are still going out there and and hiring a social media person and a web person and an SEO person and a content person and those people aren't ever talking. You know, can you imagine? <laughs> imagine how you know it, it, it would be pure luck if there's any effect at all. So uh, obviously, you got me fired up. Yeah. yeah. Well, and this, I, I, as I mentioned uh, before we started, this book, despite the being about SEO, thinking, oh great, you know, this is going to be a real technical book. It actually got me rather emotionally involved because there's so many things that you all explain in the book that I feel like I've been shouting from the rooftops for years, and many others have too, trying to help people understand that SEO has really uh, changed a lot. And Phil, let me ask you a question uh, based on something that uh, in the foreword by Brian Clark from Copyblogger, congrats on getting him to write the foreword, by the way, um, he says SEO has gone from like frosting on a cake to the sugar that goes into baking a cake. Can you explain what he means by that and why that has so many implications for modern SEO? I think there's a lot of different ways to answer that question, but I mean, for me, you know, I, I've been in this business for for over ten years now, and um, it used to be a lot more about trying to figure out how to make tweaks. I'm talking when I say it, I'm talking about SEO, of course. It used to be mm-hmm. a lot more about I'm trying to figure out what kind of technical advantages, how you could tweak content on a website, what kind of things you could do off a website. And I kind of refer to that more as passive SEO or, you know, back in the day, you could actually write a check to an agency or a consultant and they could get you results um, online to get you, you know, uh, Google visibility and not really have to get too involved with anything else because that's really all, despite what Google had been saying for years about, you know, content being king, we all kind of knew they were really overweighting certain other types of factors that you could you could kind of hire agencies to do off in you know a back room or somewhere else. Of course, over the years, you know, the last few years, things have changed, and they've got really good at incorporating other factors um, um, into into the ranking algorithm. And, and now he's all of a sudden we're talking about content and social media signals and 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 guest blog posting and distributing your content and content marketing and things like that. Um, so it's come out from this kind of a back room tactic that still people that did do it right still didn't have to get too too much involved with the overall marketing strategy of, company, of, a comp- um, of the company and then has kind of worked into this piece where now we've got to figure out um, the entire marketing strategy and really trying to bake that into the website and the entire plan. So then we talk about, hey, it's it's become the sugar, you know, not just the icing type of deal. And we're talking about trying to tie all pieces together and then position your website, you know, in the right way so that you can get full, you know, quote unquote, Google credit because they're getting better at going out and incorporating a larger amount of um, signals rather than just heavily weighting, you know, maybe text or keywords or backlinks that are, are pointing to a website. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, John, let me ask you a question. And this is a question that I have started using and I borrowed it, full disclosure, from your book. And it's the one that I probably shouted the loudest at to the point where the neighbors probably said, you know, what what is he doing? Why is he so excited? And the question is, would you trust an interior designer to build your house? Can you explain uh, what that question has to do with SEO? Well, I, I, you know, it's, it's a little bit of a knock at a lot of web designers that are doing pretty and are doing, well, here's how I can make this column or this thing happen by inserting this code or doing this and that. 
you know, essentially decorating the website. Um, and, and that's not, that's an, uh, it's a large generalization. Not every web designer uh, thinks that way, but certainly pure designers uh, think that way. And, and, you know, ultimately what we talk about doing is, is even keyword research. You know, the kind of one of the stalwarts of the SEO industry, um, we do keyword research as part of the strategy for, uh, for a marketing campaign or for a business before we'll ever talk about designing a website or, or creating their editorial calendar uh, because it, it, it's so ingrained into you know, how you're going to design the site, what, what pages or categories you're going to, to focus on as you build the site, you know, how somebody's going to experience or how you want them to experience it from a marketing standpoint. And so that's the idea of, of maybe an architect first uh, designing the house as opposed to the interior decorator and the interior you know in a, in a normal uh, building uh, hierarchy the the interior decorator comes in after the the strategy's been laid after the thing is firm foundation after you've got all the rooms working the way that you want them to work now yeah we can built built to code right right exactly and now we can come in and do uh, the stuff that's maybe going to create a better experience for the user yeah, and you know, I don't knock the interior, the interior design, the graphic designers so much as the companies that are hiring them. In other words, they, you talk in the book about how these companies are simply looking at pictures of websites that a, a designer may have done in the past, and they don't really know enough to be able to determine what else they should be considering for a website to be built. Well, well, and Phil can speak to this too, but I mean, I think that to, to some degree, um, I, I totally agree with that, but to some degree, the, the web design community needs to elevate their game and, and maybe start thinking more strategically rather than, hey, we do websites, you want a pretty website, you know, here's how much it costs. It, it, their process needs to start with, what do we need this thing to do? You know, who are we trying to attract? Uh, you know, what's the message? Uh, what's the journey <laughs> that we're trying to have people go on? Um, mm-hmm. and, and I think that that's, if there's going to be a knock, is that the web designer needs to back people off and say, no, I, you know, I'm not going to design you a pretty site until, you know, X, Y, Z. And I, I'm, I'm certain, Phil, that you do that. Right. I mean, you know, part of it, you know, as we discussed in the book, I think web website design, the industry is kind of a, a victim of its own name. I mean, that's the way we call it website design, right? So, when you when you go out and search for stuff, it seems like the business owners are searching for design first. They're not searching for an inbound marketing platform, which is what a website should be and what a business owner needs to get a website to generate phone calls and, and sales for them. So the whole industry goes out there and and pitches website. And we're not, you know, when you when you have these bigger, you know, maybe hosting companies or bigger um, kind of monthly website companies that go out there and say. You know, we'll give you a twenty-five dollar a month website and get you listed on Google. It it it, it brainwashes the entire you know uh, buying market into thinking, well, website design is a commodity. There's really not much to it. We should think of it as a digital brochure. When the reality is, you know, you don't get a simple templated website and toss it out on the internet, and all of a sudden it ranks and starts to make the phone ring. So part of it's just kind of a brainwashing of the industry. And there's a whole business, you know, a whole big industry out there that pitches kind of those entry level websites. Um, but I think people, the business owners, kind of figure out the hard way that, you know, we get these things up there, the site looks nice and pretty, and all of a sudden, you know, why isn't the phone ringing? And then they kind of go down this um, trail of figuring out what do I need to do these days to get to get my website to, to work for me. And I think that's part part of it, too, because look at if you're a web design firm out there, there's two, there's, I think there's two ways to look at this. One is some web designers want to continue selling web design as a digital brochure style um, product because they don't want to be accountable for the return on investment part of what a website should be. 
So, right, if you come to me for a web design, I'd rather just send you a nice digital brochure style site so we can do that and set it off. And then it's kind of up to you how you want to work that into your marketing plan. That's one. The other piece of it is I think some people just don't aren't into it. They don't, you know, we come into this um, business on the web design side more as graphic designers, as artists. And we're not kind of, we haven't had the training um, on that piece of it, maybe to figure out how we can work this into the greater good of, of a marketing plan. So um, part of it, I think, is just the lack of maybe people figuring out how, and I say people, lack of maybe web design agencies to try and um, make marketing and SEO part of their process. And the other part of it is some of them just don't want to because it's too, why complicate that part of it? You know, why get involved in the process when we can churn out a digital brochure style website, get a nice fee for it and move on to the next one? Yeah, and I think well, there, are, there are a lot of ways to make something look good that um, are not necessarily <laughs> good for the business or good for SEO, but uh, it's easier for the designer. Uh, so I think that that's a, that's a big part of it as well. But I think the other thing that starts happening too is is then the SEO community uh, turns into this retrofit uh, community, you know, where they're going and and trying to you know backfill things and fix things, you know, like in a in a house that wasn't built well, you know, you're you're now shoring things up in an odd way, uh, and I think it just kind of uh, feeds on itself. Uh, things get worse and worse because these things don't work together. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of those shows on HGTV where. The expert goes in and finds all these mistakes uh, in, in a newly built house, and it's uh, it's the same sort of thing. Uh, it, it, it brings to mind uh, the idea, I, I think there's a number of companies that are out there buying cars with absolutely gorgeous paint jobs, and there's there's not an engine in the vehicle. So it looks good, but it's not going to do anything for them. Now, uh, Well, and I'm, in- I'm, I'm going to jump in and interrupt you again. I mean, it sounds like we're just picking on web designers, and, and we're, really, we're really not. In fact, go, web designers need to buy this book because web designers need to start building you know, what we've started calling marketing-activated websites. That that's, you know, that's the idea behind it. I mean, the, the purpose of the website is to get the phone to ring. Um, and so there have to be certain elements that uh, that are addressed and beyond a- a SEO. We're talking maybe primarily about SEO today, but they're you know, lead capture. I mean, there are just so many things that have to be built into the marketing activated website today. That's true, and I think that um, <clears throat> the web design companies, maybe if they change their name to uh, web construction uh, companies, they will actually benefit quite a bit from this because it actually walks them through the steps that they should be taking. And I would submit that they're going to actually improve their margins and keep clients longer, uh, maybe even get some recurring revenue by doing some of the things that are going to help them, but it's even more, it's going to help their, their, uh, their clients. And related to that, um, Marcus Sheridan, who's been on your show, I once heard him say that uh, Marcus Sheridan's the sales lion. He he said, if you're talking to an SEO company, so we're going to move off of graphic designers here, <laughs> um, but if you're talking to an SEO company and they are not talking to you about producing content, you should you should run away. Uh, Phil, explain why content is such an important part of SEO now. I think the main um, answer to that is because Google's gotten a lot better at finding and indexing and raising the importance of you know good content on the internet. So again, we talked in the beginning, kind of on the show here, about how there were ways in the past where you could just maybe t- make some website tweaks and keyword tweaks, and um, whereas a lot of uh, SEO results was maybe around 
volume-based uh, backlink building. Mm-hmm. Now, really, I think Google's done an awesome job of trying to determine where great content is and who gets credit for it. So I, when I think of content, I think of that's really it, – it does so many things for the entire – for marketing in general, but, of course, digital marketing where your website's kind of the hub of everything that you're doing. Um, so being able to post, for instance, a good uh, blog on your on your website, a blog post, and then being able to distribute that in different social media channels so that then you can get signals and traffic back to your website, it all kind of ties together. So you know, when we talk about content marketing, we're talking about all sorts of different things, right? We're talking about podcasts such as this one. We're talking about blog posting. We're talking about perhaps creating blog post series on a website that they can be stitched together into an ebook. Um, and distribute in other places or used as a call to action carrot on your website to get into your your marketing automation. So all the things that make your website work, that help get you credit where you need to get credit and help you distribute your content in other areas all kind of come back to your ability to create good content in your niche. Um, and I think the reason why it's become so important is because Google is giving it a lot more weight for one, and the internet's changed. Where we, you know, five or ten years ago, we didn't have social media out there in terms of you know channel distribution like we do now, um, where we have that. So being able to have a hub where your website becomes kind of almost like a the central referral point for all of your content, and then being able to distribute that in other places, it's that kind of network that you set up that gives you the SEO credit and the foundation for content-driven SEO that will help you get the results and the visibility that you need down the road. Well, and I would, to Marcus's point, what, what I think he's really saying there, too, is if, if an SEO firm's not asking you about content, they don't, they don't care about what they should be caring about, and they're probably just going to charge you for a bunch of smoke and mirrors uh, that uh, may or may not uh, be, you know, benefit the business at all. And so uh, it, it's like a web designer. If they're not, not asking you about your strategy and your messaging, then you know, they don't, they don't, it's a sign that they don't care about what they need to care about. Mm-hmm. Well said. Well said. So... Uh, before designing a website, what are some of the questions that should be answered long before we get to how the website looks? Phil, so you take I mean, that because you do a bunch of that, yeah. Every yeah, day, I mean, probably. Yeah. yeah, pretty much. So, you know, I like to sit down with a, with a new client. It could even be like a prospective client or as we're getting off to a new engagement. I mean, what we're really trying to do in the beginning is get our head around the business and, and kind of where they are today. So the first question I ask them usually is, you know, what's your, what does your, what's your current revenue pie look like? Okay. Where, where, where's most of your business coming from in terms of, you know, percentage breakdown. And so, and then sometimes we'll ask a follow-up question in terms of, okay, that's where you are today. Where do you want to be in terms of what, what would your ideal revenue um, chart look like? So we've got some guys that will come in and say 80% of their business maybe is coming from a, a lower margin product where the 20% is maybe the more profitable, and they're looking to, to flip that. So knowing where their business is today and kind of where they want to have it then gets you, gives you an idea, okay, where is their ideal customers? Which, who are we going to go after? Because we want to make sure that if we're going to design a website, <clears throat> excuse me, we're going to design one in a way that's reverse engineered around the way their ideal uh, client's ideal customers are looking and searching and consuming content on the Internet. It also then lays, helps us lay the foundation in terms of, okay, now we know where their most profitable lines of business are. How do we then figure out um, what they're, what, how they're searching for, how the ideal clients are searching for products, their products and services on the internet? And that's when keyword research really comes into play, right? Where we can say, okay, here, we know what their, their business goals are. Now let's take a look and see how their ideal clients are searching. Then, then, we're, and then at that point, we're kind of telling them, okay, 
here's what we see in terms of um, keyword activity and how your ideal clients are looking for things on the internet. Now let's figure out how to way to, 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 to put these into buckets. And then now we're talking about trying to reverse engineer a plan around how people are searching versus how, you know, in the, in the old ways or even how even today, how most web design is built in terms of a graphic designer and a business owner kind of putting their heads together and trying to um, present their business in a way like they have a captive audience, which they don't, right? So we're trying to ask the questions ahead of time to try and figure out where the ideal clients are searching for and then reverse engineer a website around that activity. So and that's how kind of our initial um, questions would ask. So we'd start with the we start with the revenue pie, what they're looking for, what, what are their ideal customers, um, who are they, how are they searching, and trying to get our heads around that piece, and then bake that into the, the overall um, design of the website. Very well said, and I think that your answer is a good example of why uh, SEO has gone from uh, plastic surgery to internal medicine, because not a single thing did you say on there about what color do you want your website. It's It's about all of those other kinds of business related questions but let me ask just one final question um in terms of uh, should should companies go to seo firms and if they do what should they be looking for and also um what what are the red flags if you're going to somebody to to get help with your your seo phil please answer that one as well well there's you know the big thing is going to be what's their primary tactic in terms of how they're going to help you so Guaranteed rankings. Yeah, I mean that. Those are obviously red flags. So, so obviously guaranteed. First of all, the biggest, the biggest. Red are they flag offshore? Be, do they offshore? Um, what's are they doing link building for you? What types of link building are they doing? Because you know, we if you're talking about like link building today, which back let's you know take a step back here and say backlinks, which is a link from another website pointing back to your website, um, has been one of the most game. Um, tactics in SEO since Google launched, right? So it's always been really important, but it's also the most scrutinized. Um, today, it's still very important. It's probably one of the most heavily reigning factors, but it's not about volume anymore. So anyone who's selling you SEO services based on a volume um, of backlinks is a serious red flag because that kind mm-hmm. of stuff can get you in trouble now, right? But they should be talking about how are we going to um, how are we going to help you build the right kind of content so that we can distribute it in a way that will attract high quality, uh, web, high quality backlinks from high authority websites? They, that's the kind of conversation to be. So you really have to, if you're going to go talk to an SEO company, you have to ask, what's their backlink strategy? How, what's their, how are they going to work content into the overall plan of what they're doing? Um, the biggest red flag of all would be that you're considering hiring somebody that actually cold called you or robo called you right because it's really easy to go out to go out and figure out you can vet seo industry uh, comp- uh, agencies by yourself if they're coming up naturally for the terms that you're searching for in your own metro area that's a pretty good sign if somebody's cold calling you and, and offering you all sorts of things that sound too good to be true um then you're probably you know that's probably a pretty big red, red flag yeah, and I think yeah. if you're if you're a local business, they better be talking about Google My Business, and they better be talking about getting you ratings and reviews, and you know some of the things that are you know over and above just getting backlinks or you know or you know things of that nature. Very well said, and uh, I think that um, you know. In, in, let me add something about the book for the listeners' benefit. This book uh, talks about so many other resources that you can go to, other websites, and uh, you even talk about The Art of SEO, which is, I I believe, like a thousand-page book, excellent book. 
if if I could recommend uh, something to the listener, read this one first. And before you spend another dime on SEO services or before you redo your website, just read this book. And this will make you uh, very smart about this much more quickly. And you can send uh, half of the savings on to John and Phil right. afterwards. <laughs> well, and, and actually, if this just makes you a better buyer of those services, then, Absolutely. then, then we've accomplished our goal. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the other thing about the book that was you know, <clears throat> my takeaway was, uh, you know, in The Wizard of Oz, the wizard is this snake oil salesman at the beginning of the – you see him at the beginning of the movie. And then later you realize he's the Wizard of Oz. And then Toto pulls the curtain back, and I hope that when people read this, they're going to say, that's it? <laughs> that's how it's done? <laughs> what? I wish I'd known that earlier. So at any rate, uh, John, Phil, are there any questions that I didn't ask that I probably should have that you'd like to comment on? Let's start with Phil. One thing has come, come to mind right now. I think the most interesting thing about SEO, because this book's, I think, more about more than SEO. We just titled it that way because that's our angle into it. Yep. I think the coolest thing about SEO and the things that you need to do to get results are really things you should be doing for your business anyway. We're mm-hmm. talking about content and getting out there on social media and doing all these things like podcasting and getting a digital presence. And if you sync them all up to your an optimized website in the right way, there's all sorts of extra benefit and extra visibility you can get than how, like John opened up in the beginning, how a lot of business owners or even companies are out there kind of randomly applying tactics without some kind of a master plan. Um, but yeah. that's my favorite thing about SEO is like, look, it's really all about stuff you should be doing anyway. But you, if you sync it together and develop this SEO mindset, you're going to get a lot more growth, a lot more revenues, and a lot more phone calls off of a website than having it just be this kind of a – um, offshoot, kind of like your your website's kind of off to the side, and you're not you haven't incorporated into your daily routine into your business. Yeah, it's like a random act of marketing for a lot of uh, yeah. companies that bears no resemblance to the rest of their business. And also, even if you're using AdWords, if you have a well optimized site, you're actually going to pay less. You could argue for that. So um, I think the truth is here. I'm onto your I'm onto your trick, guys. You have snuck a business book into. <laughs> A book about SEO. So, congratulations, uh, John. How best can listeners learn more about SEO for growth? Well, the best place to find out, and there's actually some resources there that uh, you'll find valuable above and beyond the book. But it is just simply SEOforgrowth.com, and lots of uh, great templates and tools there. Absolutely, and some free downloads with that come with the book, so including eBooks and, and other types of. Uh, potentially discounts on other SEO services. And And let's just wrap up. The name of the book is SEO for Growth, the ultimate guide for marketers, web designers, and entrepreneurs. The authors are John Jantz and Phil Singleton. John and Phil, thank you very much for being on the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast and for allowing the host of the Marketing Book Podcast uh, to be your guest host. And as John Jantz says at the end of every interview, I hope to see you out on the road.